this is just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. It's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. No telling what kind of shit we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cause we're just picking it out. Hey y'all. Well, my name is Andrew Pope, and you're listening or watching, picking it out. Hope y'all doing good. Uh, everybody staying safe still, and got a really really cool singer songwriter on with us today. Uh, met this guy. Like a couple of years, two or three years ago, and um, really cool dude, great songwriter, very talented singer, uh, Mr. Ward Davis. What's up, man? Not much, man. Just uh, told you, just hiding in my bedroom from my family. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what Christmas is all about, I think. <laughs> yeah, man. I was I was talking to Jinx the other day, and it's like. Uh, Christmas just gets worse the older you get. It's just just gets worse and worse. Maybe in, like until your kids are grown, and I yeah. don't know. But it's like all of a sudden it becomes this whole uh, this whole thing as opposed to just waking up, everything being perfect. Yeah, I know. Me and my wife was talking about that. Uh, how we kind of wish it just to go back and be excited about Christmas morning and not have to worry about none of this shit that we're worrying about and being oh, adult. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, she. Uh, it is nice to you know. I got two little kids, so it's it's nice to see them get excited. Oh um, yeah, but it's difficult also to make sure everything's just right. Yeah, it's kind of, and it's 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 almost like uh, you know, some people just kind of go through. I mean, which I guess it's what you're supposed to do. I feel like some people just kind of go through the motions of trying to look like a all together family when you have these family reunions and stuff and just to get through it, you know, for the oh, kids yeah. basically. Uh, but anyway, Merry Christmas anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, and it sucks this year, man. I really, uh, I'd love to take the girls home to see my family, you know, but, or have them up here, but my parents won't even let me near their house. They don't want to get sick. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy time, man. I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're, uh, from Arkansas, ain't you? Yeah, I grew up, uh, Southeast Monticello, Arkansas. Monticello. What's that close to? Nothing. Nothing about like my hometown. Yeah. Uh, I think we're, we're about 80 miles North of Monroe, Louisiana and about 45 minutes South of Palm Bluff, Arkansas. So. Oh, okay. Right nestled down in the corner. You know where Batesville is? Hmm. Nah, is that north north uh west arkansas yeah it's up in yeah, there yeah yeah i did a i did a show there a couple of years ago 
Uh, yeah, my, my sister lives up around there. She lives in Fayetteville or, or Rogers or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, going back to what you said, I mean, it, it, it's such a crazy time right now. And I mean, I know people that they're not even getting together, you know, for for Christmas. And I, I mean, I understand their reasoning, but to me, that's kind of a scary thing, you know? Uh, yeah, I get it. It's, you know what, though, honestly, like, I mean, even... Even though I'd like to go, uh, you know, I'd like for my folks to to get to be around their their the granddaughters and whatnot. It's also one of those things where, you know, uh, even if it's forced, this you know this will be a I'll remember this Christmas a lot more than the the rest of them because it's just going to be us, you know, and and uh, you know we all I, I have so many memories growing up of you know, being at my mamaw's house or my, my mom's, my grandma coming to, to our house. Um, and I remember all those, but that's all like, that's the, the, they were that every year, you know, and this year is going to be just, uh, you know, just us. So I get yeah. to I get to be Santa Claus and spend a bunch of goddamn money. on <laughs> gifts. Yeah. <laughs> It, oh, well, you can just, you can just, you don't even have to put a beard on. You can just paint it white, kind of mm. gray. No, yeah. You got that. I'm, I'm, we've got the, you know, we've been doing the elf on the shelf. I don't know if you, if oh, you do yeah. that. Or... No, we don't, but I've seen it so many damn times. Dude, well, I've got to be quiet. Like I said, the kids are right out there, but man, that elf is, man, she's been working overtime this year. Uh, <laughs> well, I've been off, you know, I've been off work. Uh, yeah. yeah. We had, we had a few shows, but, um, you know, I've had a lot of time off, so I've had a lot of time to think about all the, the insanity that I can uh, make this elf do. And right now she's wrapped around a ukulele <laughs> out in the living room. Um, she leads, she's been leaving them projects and shit to do. Like they're, they're having to build stuff and it's pretty, it's fun, man. I, 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 you live vicariously through them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, we've never really got into that whole thing, but I mean, I know a lot of people that are doing that, and I don't, I don't even know how the damn thing started. I don't know. I know how it started here. Is my wife brought it into my home like a like a tornado? I believe that you can't you can't touch the elf. If you touch the elf, the elf loses all of its magical powers. Hmm. And so, like you know, yesterday I had it dangling from the uh, ceiling fan cord. <laughs> and I walked underneath it and hit it with my head and, and everybody like started losing their shit. And I was like, no, no. I was like, I didn't touch it. My hat touched it. So I, I think don't it count. Really, yeah. It doesn't count. She, she's fine. She's fine. Don't worry. Oh man. Yeah. The kids are into it though. And they're, I mean, how weird would it be to be a damn kid these days? You know, with all this stuff going on. I mean, it's like they can't even, I feel like sports is going to be took away soon and any uh-huh. kind of social stuff. I mean, I'm kind of like a non-social guy anyway. I pretty much always have been as far as just in general. Like I have to be in the mood or I'm probably Mm -hmm. pretty awkward to most people. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's like these, they're going to be missing so much, I feel like. And it's just, it's different, man. It's just a different world we're in. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't really remember what it's like to be a kid, but oh, shit, <laughs> I do. Than, yeah, other than still being one, but <laughs> you know, I think with kids, man, for the most part, they just kind of roll with whatever's going on. They, you know, 
Yeah. They, they, I, you know, mine are so little. Hell, my, my youngest one's two. <clears throat> and so she doesn't, she, she doesn't know the difference. It's only her second real Christmas. So, yeah. Uh, but the five-year-old man, I've gotten married since, you know, I got married last year, but Natalie and her daughter Henley moved in, you know, dur- during the COVID mm-hmm. uh, just because, oh, sorry. Um, it was just, we, we were going to wait because of her daughter's school and whatnot. But anyway, this is the first Christmas that, um, my girls and Henley and we'll all be together. So this, I'm, I'm hoping this will be a, a, a good one for them to remember when it's all said and done. But yeah, uh, we've, you know, we've had the girls, I've got them in gymnastics, man. And I'm, you know, I try to be as careful as I can. Like nobody wants to get sick. You know, I'll wash my hands and, and wear a mask when I need to, but man, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to rob these kids of their childhood, especially when I, I know that they're like the least right. likely to be affected by it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I try to, you know it's like my parents yeah i get it man i, I wouldn't let me in the house either because they're old or oldish older they're in their 70s yeah uh but man i'm not worried about my daughter dying from covid you know yeah yeah that's uh, the elderly is kind of the the thing that i that i am concerned about too my grandmother and you know we've tried to shield her pretty good so uh mm-hmm. so far so good um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that uh, Willie Nelson has stayed away from it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We lost, lost too many of that. I mean, I, you know, I was, you know, God bless him, man. I love Charlie Pride. And, uh, oh yeah. Um, you know, and I was reading. You know, he got sick, man. It's it's one of those things, man. It's like it's hard to say. You know, he was 86 years old, man. He lived a great, great life. I hate that. I hate that this was the thing that, that took him from us. Uh, yeah. But it is, you know, it just kind of where it is what it is, man. We are where we are. You know, we can hope for the best. I was doing this uh, last week with Teddy Gentry. <laughs> and right in the middle of it, he says, oh, Lord. And he's, I could tell he's reading. I mean, we barely got the damn thing set up. He tried to do it on his iPad and he couldn't get. So, I mean, it was hilarious. The whole, all the video footage I got from that's funny um, that nobody sees. <laughs> yeah. But did it, did it not, uh, did it, could you not get it going? Oh, yeah. We got it going finally. But uh, there's like 20 minutes of just stuff that's just for me. <laughs> you know, do you know Teddy pretty well? Yeah. I met him. Uh, I met him a couple of years ago and we kind of thrown around some song ideas and talked about writing when they slowed down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, man, he's a great guy. We had, we had breakfast at Cracker Barrel in Fort Payne. Uh, that was before it was, it was this year, but it was like, I think February or March before COVID really got crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, dude, he's a, he used to hire me to sing demos. Uh, and we, man, we used to write songs together and stuff, but he's one of a he, kind. Um, yeah, he, uh, shit, man, I don't know if he, <laughs> no, nah, I can't tell you that story, but <laughs> yeah, man, he's, I used to run around, we used to play in a band together, he put this band together, and it was, uh, it was just, it was Teddy, and then just like a bunch of kids, it was like, not kids, but you know, 20-ish yeah. aged people that were, you know, there's all songwriters, all singers, drummer, you know, it was a, but we, I think we did one gig, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's 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 uh, one of a kind, man. You know, and nothing's ever changed him. All the success they've ever had. I mean, he's never changed. Anybody oh, like yeah. that is inspiring to me. You know, just I mean? look at his shoes, <laughs> man. He wears old sneakers and like t-shirt, free sweat swag t-shirts. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's so uh, fun. We were in the middle of that thing, and and he's he's literally reading that Charlie Pride died. Mm. like in the middle of the thing and i left it in there and uh that's how i found out uh really yeah it's it's i looked it up after we got done just because you know there's all kinds of hoaxes and everything but oh yeah yeah man he was uh i never met charlie pride uh i met bill cosby one time before you know he became like the devil in our in the world it's (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but I don't really give a shit. Uh, yeah, it's Man, what, I never, I never met Charlie Pride. He, I mean, he walked by me a couple of times when I was backstage at the Opry. I, I'm not the guy that goes, "Hey, Mr. Pride, my name's Ward Davis." No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's plenty of those guys, but I'm, I'm not one of them either. Um, yeah. Bill Cosby said, have you ever met Charlie Pride? I mean, he like yells just like you would imagine. Like he's so loud, you know? I mean, you just laugh, yeah. just listening to him talk, you'll start laughing. But this is back when everybody still loved him. And yeah. I said, no. He said, well, I used to do the uh, Alabama Theater, or the Oak Ridge Boys Theater in, in uh, Myrtle Beach. And uh, I know Charlie well. If you ever meet him, tell him I said hello and all this stuff and like huh. he talked about the Oak Ridge boys. He talked about, you know, Charlie pride and yeah, give he's it kind back. of been around that. Sorry, man. I just the got dog. a puppy. And I don't know how he got in here, but he just went into chewing on a what, shoe. What so. kind what kind of puppy is it? It's a St. Burdoodle. Oh my God. Oh yeah. He's a, um, oh, man, he's going to be big. He's a, he probably, I bet he weighs 15 pounds right now, but he'll be about eight. They say 80 to 120. Mm. where they yeah it's gonna be big so i gotta get a bigger house too it's a whole thing this dog's costing me a fortune how's uh how's natalie doing she's good she's uh you know she's i'm there's uh wrapping paper spread all over the bed right now she's been in here wrapping them up man we that's uh she's uh you know when she moved down here it, the plan was she was gonna move and uh find it well she was gonna find a job and then move and you know but hell, COVID hit, and then nobody was hiring. Yeah. So she got home, or she went ahead and moved down here and started looking around, and then the school started shutting down. So she's having to homeschool her daughter. And mm. I just, you know, I called my manager, and I said, look, I, I know times are tight, but I'm about to be breadwinner here. And mm-hmm. he said, okay, we'll make it We'll make it work. And I've been able to, you know, man i've been doing i mean it's all acoustic i've got a i'm playing the third and Lindsley on new year's eve with the full band but man it's been 100 percent acoustic mm-hmm. since uh since right first of july is when we started going back and it was mostly private shows which is great i mean i really like doing the prop for the most part man they were mostly really really cool yeah. people there were a couple of duds but for the most part just you know, these people have you in their living room. They treat you like family. Yeah. And shit. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. I like private shows. Yeah. And so I've been able to just, you know, keep the income and, and able to keep the lights on and keep Natalie 
home teaching Henley. And it's, man, it's been really, I, 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 I go back and forth between, man, I hate this shit, man, this shit's been great. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to spend time with my kids more than I would have normally and stuff like that. I think that's really, really important, you know, and especially doing what we do, man, you, you, the, yeah, it's not, it's nice to go and, and play and people, uh, you know, the way you see people respond to you and support you and all that, but, you know, there are sacrifices and the main one being is you just, you're, you're away from your family. And, uh, if, if anything good came out of this thing, it was that I got to spend a a lot more time with them and and Mm -hmm. Natalie and, uh, you know, got to drive her crazy. So, but yeah, that's, she, she's good. She's in there cooking bacon. I smell it. She's real sweet lady. I, I met her. She was, uh, Natalie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if it's the same natalie that i met then yeah, yeah. i don't know <laughs> she was no, doing she, she was preparing for finals or something i think when we did that me and you and sonny sweeney did that show yeah, in uh, yeah she Georgia. Uh, oh yeah she well she's i think she's got like she needs to take two more classes to get her degree and um that's, that's great yeah i don't think she, I, it wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't do it though she doesn't give a shit <laughs> oh really Kind of oh, got yeah, to I that think, point. Well, I think she was doing it just, you know, she's like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And it got, it got, she got down to the point where it's like, yeah, that she needs two classes that they offer like once every four semesters or something like that. Oh so yeah. It's having to juggle. And I don't know. She might, if she goes back, I'll, I'm, I'm all for it. But uh, as long as we've got the little unit going here right now, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know what the thing I remember most about that night is really the only couple of things I remember is <laughs> Sonny's Magnum Mobile. Yeah. And uh you text you texting Jamie Johnson this long text telling oh, him to check me out or something. I'm like, dude. Oh. <laughs> I mean, oh, it was yeah. late too. And then we yeah, ate some kind of brown cookies or brownies or something that I think she brought them to us that somebody had. But yeah, yes, that was a good. That'll happen. That was she a good night. Blurred. Yeah. And oh it, god, when people bring me, like I've got a, I've got a sack of cookies and I've got a drawer, you know, where I keep everything that's nobody needs to see. Yeah. But there's a stack of cookies in there, and I'm just like, man, I can't eat that shit. I mean, I can if if I'm prepared to like, you know, not have a uh, life for about 12 hours i can do it <laughs> yeah I, I can't function on them yeah they're too good some of that shit's no, too good uh, either too good or too bad but both mm-hmm. ways is um but yeah that was uh i think you were sick or something that night and i did i was opening for y'all oh dude i had yeah you remember, I remember that? that my yeah i had to well i'd played in i think i played in atlanta the night before man i didn't have a voice at all the night before and i had to go get a steroid shot mm-hmm. and you know by the time we got to you know the next night man i i completely i lost my voice for about i ended up having to cancel two or three of those shows because it was just i shredded it. it happens don't it yeah man i was in a weird spot though i was i think i j- just got divorced yeah. i mean I just i think it got finalized that weekend actually and uh the um 
the whole thing, just the stress from that, and just, you know, the emotions involved and all that. Like I wasn't taking care of myself at all. I mean, I don't take care of myself now, but I was really, <laughs> really treating my body like shit for a while there. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I had to cancel about half of that little run cause I, I couldn't sing. You were, um, either about to buy a house or had just bought mm-hmm. one and man, I'm in it. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm getting ready to sell it and really get. Yeah, man. When I bought it, it was just me, you know, me and the girls. Uh, and it's it's a little cabin out in the woods. It's you know I'm isolated and it's awesome and I love it. But man, Natalie and Henley came down here. This place got small fast. Yeah. And then now we've added this dog, and it's a whole uh, it's a whole new ball game. That's a pretty cool area out there, though, where y'all live. Gainsborough, yeah. I I was the one show that I did this year was Mm -hmm. I think last month, two months ago, it was in Gainesboro. The bull? It was uh it was a festival. Uh I can't remember the name of the festival. Uh a friend of mine, Dustin Kennedy, that does one lane road podcast. Dustin told me about that. Right on. Oh yeah, you know you know Dustin, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I had lunch with him a couple weeks ago just to talk about he he wants to uh, get me to play somewhere down here and we had talked about playing at the Bull and Thistle, but the man capacity restrictions and all that shit, man. It's, I think they figured that we'd be able to sell sixty three tickets mm. uh, at, for a sellout, and you, you can't you can't justify the overhead yeah. um, unless you charge a hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah, I know. It's I don't know what it's going to be from here on out. I mean, I don't know if it's just going to be this way for touring. I mean, you know, most people I know, most musicians, and and myself the most money you make is from touring and merchandise. And I mean, what happens when you don't have that? Like you said, do virtual stuff or start a podcast. Uh, That's what I did. I did a, uh, yeah, man, I did a, uh, a live stream last night. At first, those were really, really uh, lucrative as far as just, you know, keeping me going. And they've tapered off as time's gone. The, The viewership's gone down and the tip money's gone down, but people are, you know, people are struggling, man. Like, oh, yeah. and, and it's not just, a, it's, there's a, there's a psychology, uh, to not being able to go and, you know, see, see the bands you want to play. And yeah, dude, even we, I think we did a place, uh, a show in like, oh gosh, it was in Indiana, Bloomington, I think maybe, uh, blue note, but I think, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And we sold, um, I think we sold like 187 tickets, but, Greg stood back there and counted them and there were 80 people in the room because people buy them and they're, yeah. they're still like, ah, I don't want to go out, but you know, to their credit or benefit, I don't know why they didn't get refunds, but I think they said they only did like three or four refunds, but everybody else just, I don't know. That's, I guess that's, I, I like to think it's just because people like the support, Yeah, you know, and the music. So that was really, really cool. But you know, it's a, uh, part of that going out there and, and making that living is selling t-shirts and there's not anybody in the room. You can't, can't sell t-shirts. No, you yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, of course, everybody knows that knows you knows about, uh, you and Cody Jinx relationship. Mm-hmm. Did, did y'all do a show together? Is that how y'all first got acquainted or what? Yeah. Uh, Man, I had this really 
shitty booking agent in Texas, and he wasn't a shitty booking agent. He was just an asshole. Well, I don't know. <laughs> long story, but he called me, and he had told me about Cody and that he, he was going to try to get me on this show. And, I mean, it was ter- the money was, I think it was $150. And it was in San Antonio. Mm. And uh, he said, man, he's really, you know, he's he's really kind of blowing up. And, and I'd never heard of him, you know, so I got on and listened to him. And, uh, hold on. Um, are you there? Yeah. You're Sorry. back. My, You're back. My phone. Um, so, uh, I looked him up, man. I dug it. You know, he's not, uh, he's basically the opposite of everything I hate, in, uh, in yeah. country music. So I was like, yeah, this guy, I like that. And so I thought that, uh, I figured, you know, there'd be a hundred, 150 people there. Cause I mean, hell, if I'd never heard of him then that must mean nobody's ever heard of him. So through some, uh, synchronicity and, uh, just man, basically, you know, my producer's Moose Brown. Oh yeah. Uh, Moose, uh, Moose is in Bob Seeger's band. Cody's manager is, uh, uh, um, he used to work for Bob Seeger's management. Um, that's how he became a manager, uh, work, working for punch. And so I was able, because of that kismet, I was able to get on the show without, uh, much resistance. And, uh, Cody came up to me. I walked in, I had a, I brought my bass player and my drummer. I flew them down because I, um, I wanted to make a good impression, I guess, but, uh, I walked in and here, this little guy comes walking across this, like a, you know, a big honky tonk, uh, floors country store was where it was. And they've got like a big dance floor and whatnot. So here, this little guy comes walking, has jeans tucked in his boots and he's wearing a ball calf. And, um, he walked up and introduced himself and he said, are you Ward? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm Cody. And, well, thanks for doing the show. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, do you like the weeds? And I said, yeah. And he said, come on. And so that's how we, and that, was it. that was it. That was it. But man. we, uh, yeah, and we, man, he just, Cody's that guy that, um, man, he's a really generous dude. And he, he, I think after that night, he ended up telling his manager, like, I want, I want put him on as many shows as, as he wants to get on. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it ended up. And, um, we started writing together and, uh, yeah, just always been friends. So we drunk dial each other now and then. Um <laughs> uh, I always always try to, you know, go hang out with him when I'm in the area. And dude, we uh poor guy, man, he's too fat. He can't like I'm able to go do these small venues and these private shows, but hell, Cody's he's too big of a deal now. He can't uh he can't get the uh <laughs> well, you know, he's selling out arenas he can't there's and the arenas are all closed sorry i'm getting more coffee i'm just taking you with me yeah man you can put a little whiskey in there if you want to i ran out of whiskey the other night andrew <laughs> <laughs> i'm ashamed to say uh there's always more <laughs> uh you um y'all i love i'm not the devil that's probably really the first time i heard of Cody. Yeah. And I, I can't remember. I was watching something or somebody was telling me that y'all wrote it. And, uh, yeah, that's a cool that's the first song. song we wrote together. And I oh, think, really? man, I, like, honestly, um, that was kind of like his, you know, the song that kind of opened up the public to him. But 
I think it, I don't, I think it had less to do with the song and more to do with Cody. I think he, I think he was at that moment where he was about to put something out and people were going to find out about him no matter what. Yeah. I was, that was the, uh, that was the last song he recorded for that record. And I think they were going to call the album Adobe two, the Adobe sessions part two. Jesus dog. <laughs> oh man. This is man. I'm snow. No, no. Come here. Jerk. Stop biting me. They'll chew up everything. Dude. <laughs> He's going for the bows. Sorry. This probably <laughs> going for the bows. Yeah, there's a sack uh, of bows on the floor, and he's going for them. Um, did you have piano lessons? Did you take piano lessons, rather? When I was, yeah, until I was about ten. Um, we, uh, I, uh, I got kicked out because I wouldn't read the music. All I wanted to do was play Garth Brooks songs. <laughs> Man, I, I had, I took piano lessons from when I was like five to probably about the same year five to ten or eleven i could never i never had an interest in reading the music like my hmm. teacher tried he played by ear so he tried to cut but he could read too so he tried to teach me he realized i didn't really give a shit about it so i just started playing by ear but i had this like song book that i got at a local music store in alabama here somewhere and it had like tv theme songs <laughs> so i learned like the cheers <laughs> song and i mean it's like riding a damn bicycle i can still see my fingers playing that song in my brain see Every i play time I chariots of chariots of fire is my go-to <laughs> yeah. the theme from chariots of fire yeah um, i i didn't even i mean i never i never had a guitar lesson or anything but i I don't think if i'd ever had piano lessons that i could have ever just picked a guitar and kind of found my way because i play well, by you ear get, you get an understanding of like thing about piano it's it's you can see it you know you see it like that c's here and that yeah. c's there and that, you know you it i think it plugs something in your head and just Me makes too. music make a little bit more sense to you i'm and i'm really yeah i'm really glad that that uh my folks did that you know put me in piano lessons because they weren't you know dad bought a piano and said you know dad's one of those guys grew up real poor didn't have any opportunities for to do anything except you know what he figured out on his own his parents just worked and worked and worked and worked and so they didn't have a they didn't have a piano and they didn't have uh they didn't have horses and they didn't have all this stuff but dad was always real good about like you know we didn't have nintendos but we had mules and we had an upright piano and and uh he put us in lessons just to see if you know if we liked it you know and and we we did but i'm the only one that my sister liked it but she didn't she didn't see a career path in it but then i saw this is garth brooks and saw him jumping around on stage for all these thousands and thousands of people and i was like hey i wonder if he took piano lessons <laughs> <laughs> so garth was kind of like your reason that you wanted to do this yeah yeah i mean not not i wouldn't like say your that. first I, yeah, he was the first, like the first, um, his first album was just, had so much piano on it. I mean, and yeah, it did. most most notably the dance, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I started doing that and I was, I was like a goofy, you know, kind of not, I wouldn't say a nerdy kid, but probably, I don't know, kids picked on me, but I was, uh, once I started playing, 
once I started playing Garth Brooks songs, everybody, I was kind of cool. Not that I was cool, but they didn't mess with me as much. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I stuck with it. And then I started, I, and you know, growing up in Southeast Arkansas, our school was the, the country school. Like we weren't in, in town. Mm -hmm. country country music was that's what everybody listened to you know we had a rodeo club and we had a rodeo club but we didn't have a football team that kind of thing so, really yeah well it was all a bunch of just corn-fed country boys man, <laughs> man. they were uh you should have seen them playing basketball man <laughs> <laughs> i'm not man just the clumsiest bunch of kids and <laughs> you know i think we did have like a state tennis champ at our school but it was uh there weren't a lot of state champions floating through drew central high school well we didn't have we didn't have tennis or nothing like that but we damn sure had a football team but we were kind of like that like we were the county school you know mm -hmm. and and i mean i'm from the same county that randy and jeff and teddy are all from DeKalb county oh yeah so they're they're from fort Payne, which is like the city you know the of county, DeKalb city, county yeah. and we're all the little county schools that's right. how, and it was by football is how it went. Because, I mean, hell, this is a football state. You know that. But yeah. uh, cool. it goes all the way down to the damn high schools. Uh, yeah, I had some, uh, um, there was some guy playing football for Alabama. Years, I mean, it's 20 years ago. I can't even remember the guy's name. Sam, Sam something, some bitch. Came <laughs> over and stole my girlfriend <laughs> from me in Arkansas. Uh-oh. Yeah, I came, I went over to she. I don't know. You know how it is when you're in college and you're you and your old girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You know, I came home. I, I went over to her house one night for the for the hookup in college, and there were all these uh, little elephants everywhere with that big A on them. I was like, "What? Uh, what is it? What is this elephant?" Because I don't. I didn't know. I don't know anything about sports. I didn't keep up with. It. I was like, "What is this?" And she's like, "Oh, it's Alabama." And boy, I just felt my eyes. <laughs> it's bullshit. Oh, thanks a lot, Alabama. Sore subject for you then. Alabama football fucking elephant room my life <laughs> elephants yeah my granddaddy he had them dang ceramic elephants I mean he had all kinds of stuff sitting there all around the house is yeah well in Arkansas it's hogs yeah <laughs> I guess we have to... yeah. Dude, you want to hear something funny the college I went to is in Monticello Arkansas it's the University of Arkansas at Monticello and our mascot was a bull weevil Really? Yeah, a fucking bug, man. <laughs> Very intimidating. <laughs> Shit. Yes, angry ass, you know. <laughs> and I think they... I, well, if I, I don't I, scare I you, I don't know what will. Yeah, I, I can't say this for certain, but I think that UAM had the longest losing streak in <laughs> NCAA history, their football team did. Mm. but there were when i was in the, i was in the marching band in college but there were uh there were seniors on the football team that had never won a home game mm. <laughs> man yeah I'll, and i'll never forget that i was you know we were there when they finally won one and there was a they had this what they call i think they called it the victory bell that whenever they won a home game the whole team would run across the road and there was this big pond with this bell by it and that was the only time I ever saw them ring that bell. <laughs> That's Boy, like they were happy. It's like the damn Cubs winning the World Series a few years ago. It was, man. It's like we we won. <laughs> Except you know, to win the World Series, you have to win another game. I mean, these guys were <laughs> bad, man. Oh man, what what 
What made you want to move to Nashville and just really get serious with it? I hated college. Drop out? <laughs> yeah, just quit going. I don't oh, know. Is there a process to dropping out of college or do you just like no. give up and leave? I think you either just stop giving a shit and start failing and then yeah. just stop or just wake up one day and a little hungover still and just kind of like, ah, I'm going to do something. I did, uh, I think I was, I was in like a marketing class or something, which, you know, considering what I do now is probably the dumbest thing I ever did was not pay attention to that. But yeah, that's important. I was, I was in class one day and he was up there talking about something. And I was just, I was like, what are you doing here, man? I was, I was, I was writing a song in my notebook and I was like, yeah. what are you, Lord, come on, man. And like, I just got up in the middle of the class and left. And oh, in the middle nobody, of the class. Yeah, nobody said shit either. It was just like whatever. He didn't care. Yeah. That's and that was something about college that you didn't get in high school. They really didn't care if you learned it or not. Like no. if you wanted to, they were there to teach you. If you weren't, right. Later. Mm-hmm. How old was you? Twenty. Twenty years old. So you lived in Nashville since he's twenty years old. Yeah, I'm forty one now. Mm. I don't live, you know, I live out here in the Yeah. Uh outside man it's so weird though over the last like 10 years like i just keep getting further and further away from nashville because like music road just don't what, roll your boat really, yeah, yeah there's nothing down there for me anymore man i'm not if i want to go down there and compete with the the cane browns of the world i'm gonna lose because i can't do that uh yeah it's uh but it's it's really cool though that the fact that like over the you know over the last few years there's this whole new market of, of country music, you know, and it's because like Sturgill and Cody and yeah. Stapleton and, and the guys that are, uh, you know, credible, I'd say, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, they're, they don't have, uh, they don't have a huge machine to hide behind. Yeah. Um, they don't have a, uh, uh, you know, it's the, the fan that, that we we're, we're not up on a pedestal as soon as we go out of the gate, man, we've all had to dig our way, right. Uh, dig our way into it. And man, people appreciate that. Like they, they, I think so. People like, people like being the first ones to hear something and being like, so they're like, yeah, Ward's our guy, you know, like, no man, the world needs to know about him, but he's ours. And so, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's like that. Yeah. It's kind of a cool thing. It's what, what's happened in the last few years with a, a lot of, a lot of guys like y'all and even myself, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm way down on the ladder, but you know, I do have people that's been buying my music and supporting me coming to shows when they can for the last 12 years that I've been doing this. And it's a cool thing. And it just seems like it's really kind of picked up. Like you said, I don't know if it was with Sturgill or with, uh, I think Sturgill kind of was the first one. I don't know. He woke me up. I'll tell you what. Cause dude, I've never, I was, I had, when I had gotten a gig playing at this, it was, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was at the backstage Opry grill. It was, it's yeah. over. I think it used to be the Shoney's, but yeah. it was hooked to a, a hotel over there by Opryland. And, although not affiliated with the actual Opryland. Right. But, uh, my, my friend, Kenny Beard, he hosted a songwriter thing there once a week and he invited me to come out. God rest his soul, by the way. He's a hell of a dude. 
um he invited me out there man it was bullshit dude i hated it i was all i was doing it was tourists who didn't give a shit you know that i'd get a clap here and there and you know nobody knew my songs and it was just one of those things and it was a hundred bucks and a meal yeah which was pretty big money for something like that oh yeah but, but i got home that night and i was just you know just deflated i was like man this god you know yeah because it's 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 uh you know there's no uh there's no satisfaction in being ignored i guess is the <laughs> which you know by that point i should have been used to it but i got home and i plopped down on the couch and i turned the tv on and i guess i'd been watching family guy before i left because it was on tbs and like i turned it on and the first thing that happened the first thing that was on the screen was conan o'brien holding up this and now ladies and gentlemen let's give it up for sturgill simpson oh yeah and then that guitar bang, bang, started off and i just i remember thinking like great another one of these assholes uh-huh. trying to trying to sound country he's got him oh yeah all right yeah look at this guy oh he's wearing sneakers yeah and then he started singing and i just like went what in the fuck is this yeah and before that song was over i had everything downloaded that he'd done up to that point mm. and uh I just heard my daughter scream, dad, come here. Yeah, I heard her. Uh, but uh, man, that essentially, dude, I, listening to that, that was a big thing where I realized like, man, I could, I guess I could cut a record, you know, I just, hell he did it. And I've never heard of him. And he's on Conan O'Brien. He's country as shit. And that was, that was a big moment, man. Realizing that the Nashville ain't the only way. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Shooter Jennings told me one time that he introduced Sturgill to Dave Cobb. I wouldn't surprise me. They were at, I, mean, I think they were at a Boxmasters, Billy Bob Thornton and the Boxmasters show or something. And huh. Sturgill was just there kind of hanging out. I could be wrong on that. I'll have to ask him, but I, I'm I pretty sure he told me that. I wouldn't surprise me, man. Dave's, man, he's, you know, and he's yeah. he's not one. He's dude that guy's probably like you know one of the biggest producers in the oh by far in the industry and he did it without this he's not cutting mainstream records you know and that's incredible i mean that's amazing it really is and i mean so versatile too i think he's working with barry gibb now i saw i mean i can't wait to hear that shit just because even if it's like you know you know it's going to be something just because it's got dave's name attached to it and he's working on it I mean, yeah. the Oak Ridge Boys records are phenomenal that he's done. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't heard them. Oh, I've man. He, he did one. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's like a gospel thing. And it sounds like they're around one microphone in a big open room. And would, it, yeah. it's, it puts you there when you hear it. Well, he's, I mean, notorious, for, he's notorious for going in the, the old school like that, you know? It's oh, like, yeah uh you know take ditch the pedal board type thing you know like right. just put it plug it in and play it and which is cool man i mean it's very it's rootsy but he's found a way to make it sound really fresh and uh every, I, yeah i haven't heard of dave cobb i haven't seen heard something with dave cobb's name on it that i didn't like and i will put uh wheeler walker jr in there too because <laughs> <Wheeler Walker records. laughs> yeah I mean, and that worked so good what they did with that, you know. Oh, they knew man, it that, they knew it would and it did. I mean it's dude, that, that was genius. Mm-hmm. That was genius. And and 
for a moment there there was that like this tiny little moment where people didn't realize that it was a joke they thought that (laughs) he was actually real (laughs) yeah and he was a real guy named wheeler walker jr as if such a thing could exist (laughs) but man then he saw those all those videos of him talking about you know all he wanted to do was fuck adele (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's great shit it's hilarious. Oh, I mean, and Reba, and he wanted Reba too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was selling out. He was selling out like little beer, like Third and Lindsley, and you know all kinds mm-hmm. of places like that. Oh, Man, he's selling country, out. Dude. And then he put out a second record and said, "Fuck it, I ain't doing this anymore." <laughs> and vanished yeah. from the public eye forever. Yeah, social media and everything just cut it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marketing, like you said, it, it's funny because uh, I was I was talking to uh, Eric Bischoff. I don't know if you know that name. Mm. He's a uh, if you was ever a wrestling fan, he used to run the old WCW. Okay, uh, and he uh, he was talking about being a salesman. You know, like he he had a background in sales before running that company. He sold uh, advertising spots, but he was talking about how when you're an artist an actor uh anything in the public eye like that you have to be a salesman when you're singing mm-hmm. i mean you got to sell that with your voice you know mm-hmm. and uh it all really goes back to marketing i think uh, yeah i think garth awesome. had a really good sense of that of course he's got a degree from oklahoma state i think doesn't he yeah in marketing yeah yeah garth he's, was the king of that man he knew how, and he still does he I mean, still I, does I, I've become over the years. I've become pretty disenchanted over over Gar. I think you know. I have an opinion on it, but you may too. I don't. I don't like his. I don't like the the records that he's done in the in the last few years. Not that I don't like them. I just they did. Man, they they weren't. They're not magical. Man, they used to be magical. <laughs> yeah, his first two or three, especially, was really solid. And you know, another thing uh, with him that I learned later on was how SoundScan had started reanalyzing all the uh, sales charts when he come along. So mm-hmm. like Brooks and Dunn came after and they digitally scanned each barcode, which they wasn't doing in the eighties. So guys like, you know, Hank Jr. in Alabama and you know, the Judds and everything. I mean, if they, they, they said, people have said if they had had that, they would have been probably just as big, especially like Hank. Oh, shit, Alabama? Are you kidding me? They had like eight albums on Billboard at one time. I mean, that was just mm-hmm. such a crazy damn thing, you know? I had to, my ma- uh, my management asked me today, they wanted me to make a Spotify playlist. Apparently, that's what people do now is they make Spotify playlists. I've been seeing that a lot, too. I didn't really know what I, the... Yeah, but I had to, I gave everybody a music lesson this morning about, I'll think of something that Hank, Hank oh, Jr. Yeah. wrote I love that song. Have you heard his version of it? Mm-hmm. Man. I actually, man, I played it on a jukebox one time at Losers, Hank's version. And as soon as it started playing, Mark Chestnut walked in the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, God. we I, I was sitting at a table with Ray Scott. Man, we were yeah. you know, just having a beer. And I played it and walks Mark Chestnut. And we, I mean, just crying laughing. I mean, I, I, I never didn't speak to him or anything. I, but he must have known that. What assholes <laughs> we felt like. Probably drinking a Miller Lot. Yeah. 
I was just shit back then. I just drink anything, <laughs> anything, whatever somebody was buying. <laughs> uh, it, the thing in Nashville too. Like, did you do the whole, like, play the Broadway bars and all that? You didn't. No, really man. That? I. You want to know? I tried. I mean, I. I it's it's hard to get in down there, or it was like yeah. those gigs were. Uh, and what was funny is just how little money those guys were making. Like, shit, uh, yeah. I was, I remember my, when I was playing for Ray, uh, his bass player, Jay Gorman told me that, man, if they, if they could go down there and do, you know, a, a four hour shift for 7,500 bucks, he said they were doing good. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, I guess $25 an hour, but shit, when you're on the working yeah. three or four hours a day, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, it was hard to get in down there and I tried, uh, just, you know, I'd call but man it's, it's just you'd have to know somebody and i just never got down in that i was always i was always down on music road trying mm. to get up songwriters asses you know trying to uh you know write and, and write with great writers and stuff like that as opposed to i didn't really man you know i had a, a band called the beagles here about uh you know i think we busted up about seven seven years ago or yeah somewhere there maybe six years ago but man until then i really wasn't down there performing a lot it was all writers nights and stuff like that but yeah i i, I mean i've done a lot of cover gigs that i just soon not do anymore if i if i can get away with it yeah uh i played at tootsies one time uh, a friend of mine got me an audition there i guess you have to audition so it was during cma week it was in like november mm -hmm. and brooks and dunn was announcing their retirement so they were dressed uh, it was like one in the damn afternoon and we're playing downstairs on the little stage at tootsies just acoustic me and another guy I used to play with tyler cooper um and here come brooks and dunn down the damn stairs and they've got like USA Today with them and all these people in there working, you know. So we just kept on. It was the weirdest thing because we just kept on playing. And everybody just kind of flocks to them. And they wanted a picture with them and the crowd like around them because they were trying to talk about, you know, their history with Tootsies and everything. And it, it, we just you just kind of feel like a – I mean, I get it, you know, but it's like in that moment you're kind of – in my uh, – Tyler, my friend, he he couldn't improvise very well, so he he kind of froze up. It was like, well, what do we need to do? I was like, you need to keep playing. Is what you need to do. I mean, <laughs> what else can you do? You know. And then later on, like that night, I remember thinking, man, I should have asked Ronnie to get up and sing something, you know, or something. And then I was like, nah, they're they're working, you know. But yeah. it's such a crazy like Nashville. I mean, oh. I've heard so many stories about how it was on Music Row in the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, you know, and man, it's just a whole different damn place. Yeah, man, I, I gravitated towards the old guys when I got here, like at least the guys that had been writing the songs that, you know, and I, I got to know like Buddy Cannon and oh, yeah, you know, Waylon Holyfield and, um, and, you know, like Pat Alger and all, you know, that little Garth crew, man. I got in with those guys, but dude the stories man uh you yeah. know i love the songs but man you get in there and you hear you start hearing i was talking to ralph murphy one time and 
another one, another great one that passed away, but he, I was talking about Harry Nelson, you know, the, uh, you put the lime in the coconut drinking bowl. That mm-hmm. guy, man, I love Harry Nelson. And I was, <laughs> I said something about him and Ralph was like, Oh yeah. I, uh, I remember hanging out with, I hung out with him one day, man. I was, you know, me and Ringo, uh, <laughs> we, we were in a studio in LA and, and here comes Harry and, and John Lennon come barreling in there, man. And they're both just so drunk. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wait a minute, Ralph. Yeah. You were, He's like, oh, well, he's like, I don't think, you know, Ringo was in there. I was at the time I was working with the birds and I'm like, wait, Ralph, what the fuck? The bird, John Lennon, like, calm down, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, man. But yeah, dude, I love listening to those guys. I know. And the damn, they say it so nonchalantly, you know, like yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, had a TV dinner for supper last night. I mean, it's the same. Like Bobby Bear told me one time, he was talking about Waylon. And, and he said he was in the studio. He's talking about Waylon Jennings harmony. And he said, there could nobody, that's why Waylon always sang his own harmony because there could nobody sing harmony like Waylon. And he said, nobody ever talks about that, but that's the truth. And he said, I was in the studio that day when they did only daddy that'll walk the line. And when he hit that, he said he just stood back crossed his arms and just hit that high note and it was like solid you know but he says it like he just you know went to the mailbox one day and got the paper and come back and stepped in dog shit or something like it's just casual (laughs) like it happens every day man crazy of course i know you and bobby are y'all are been buddies a while man but i i've gotten to hang out with him a couple of times he hired me to sing some demos several years ago i think i might have told you about that uh man just what a what a great dude man so calm and cool and just he uh but i remember he uh, i guess 2016 i flew down to uh willie's picnic and i flew down there with the cannon family buddy and marla and melanie and billy and mm-hmm. and bobby he wasn't it was the year they did the Wayland tribute at austin city limits mm-hmm. so he flew down for willie's picnic but he didn't uh he wasn't on the picnic he was just doing the that tribute show to Waylon. yeah but he just came to hang out with merle and willie and all of them but anyway man he he uh buddy had leased a bus and it was just parked back there we didn't go anywhere on it but he just had it for us to sit on and so B- bobby was on there and he said well i'm gonna go say hi to merle uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you on a little bit. So he walked off the bus and went to Merle's bus and came back and didn't say a word, just went straight to the back of the bus and laid down. Cause he'd gotten, he'd been on there. Uh, I think he must've fallen onto one of Merle's, uh, joints, <laughs> <laughs> but, or maybe he did, maybe it was secondhand, but he just went straight back there and went to sleep. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but man, that was, I always thought, man, it was just so cool. He's here's, you know, you're backstage at the, at Willie Nelson. Here's Bobby Bear just kind of wandering around and yeah. you look up and he's over there talking to Christopherson and they're mm-hmm. hugging. And it's just like, it's just, uh, but man, I really like Bobby. I, I, I wish I'd like to spend some more time with him. I did. I, I'm sure you've seen it that his, the guitar that Shel Silverstein oh, left yeah. him, that gusturing. He, when I was singing those demos for him, I was having to learn them on the spot because he didn't have them recorded. And so he, he would play them for me. And then 
I would just kind of learn them. And at some point I asked him, I said, could, I was like, can I see your guitar? I'm going to try to figure out where I'm going here. And he handed it to me. And I, I was like, man, this guitar is light. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, Shell left me that. And he pointed down at the end of the headstock, you know, it says Shell. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. That big, those big black label maker things. And yeah. I've got a but, picture uh, of that. We wrote on that, actually. Uh, yeah, I took a picture of the guitar. <laughs> I didn't get a picture with Bobby, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Yeah. He's got all Jerry Reed's old fishing tackle in his garage. I mean, it looks like junk that he dug out of the damn dumpster or something or the bottom of the lake. And it's all Jerry Reed's old tackle boxes, fishing rods. There's a trophy bass that because they had that uh, that fishing tournament on Monday or Tuesday nights in uh, Hendersonville. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, he he's he's he, yeah. Bobby's one of a kind. I, I, he never really got the career that Merle and those guys did in a way. As far as he's not really a household name unless you know country music like Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson and, but man, he, yeah. he was right there with them the whole time, man. By uh, far. Yeah. Uh, and they, and that, there was such a mutual respect thing back then. I, you know, I, he, there was well among those, among those guys that were the, the, the real truth. There were no tricks back then, man. You couldn't, mm-hmm. you couldn't cover up somebody that couldn't sing and shit like that, man. Those guys could sing, they could write, they could play every last damn one of them. And and they had access to these great songwriters, and that was another thing, man. Great songwriter, you couldn't you, you couldn't fool your way into thinking somebody making somebody think you were a great songwriter, and that's why, yeah. you know, Shell and like Bob McDill and oh, guys yeah. like that were they were great songwriters, and that's you know people knew where to get great songs. And yeah, I can't imagine. Can you imagine having that? Like you cutting a record and being like, you know, uh, man, I want to call Shell Silverstein and see if he's got anything. You know, like what the hell? Or I'm gonna call Chris. Yeah, Chris, I bet he's got some songs. Like bullshit. Now it's like it. <laughs> I know. Now you have to go through the creative department at a publishing <laughs> company, and then they're you yeah. know, depending on who you are, they're not even gonna play the good shit. So that's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mel Tillis told me one time, like five or six years ago, that he went to Warner. He knew somebody at Warner or something. He was trying to pitch Blake Shelton a song. They didn't even know who the hell he was. Of course, he told it in his way that only he can tell, and it yeah. was freaking hilarious. But I mean, I'm it just really kind of sinks in sometimes. Like, man, this is like, this is you know, nuts. I, I, I never met Mel. Oh. You know, Buddy Cannon was his bass player for a long time, and then oh, ran yeah. his publishing company. Yep. And he, boy, he's got some twisted ass stories about <laughs> yeah. that guy. <laughs> I love Buddy, man. I, we wrote one song together, and he's so busy that, you know, he's working with Willie all the time and all kinds of people. But, man, what a – he's another guy. Like like Teddy, I mean, he's just kind of who he is. He's never changed, you know? Yeah. And him, You know, him and Teddy are real close. I was – I think I was with – I was with Buddy one day, and I played him a song that me and Teddy wrote, and we called Teddy, and I, I'll never forget it. It's like they told each other – it's like, hey man, I love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you later. You know, and they really do, man. They, they do. Yeah. It's just, it was just different back then, man. I, 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 I say that I, I wish I would have been around back then, but I'd be dead by now. I mean, there's so much cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody might have offered me some, and I might have uh, just, you know, done it. So. Yeah, there was a camaraderie among all the writers and the singers too. Uh, yeah. You, you know, yeah. and like 
It was a community. It was. And they'd have these guitar pulls over at Roger Miller's or Willie's or, I mean, man, I've just, I've thought a lot about, you know, wishing I was back from that era. But then again, it's like you said, I'd probably be dead. (laughs) But hopefully I'd have some good songs that would outlive me. Man, can you imagine like, can you imagine like being Bobby Bear and turning on a country radio station now and just being like, or what the hell is this? You know, and I don't know yeah. if maybe he doesn't think like that, but boy, I would. Hell, I do. Man, uh, I love that version of uh, Old Worn Out Cowboys that you did. Oh, I know Led Bruce's song. Did you? Yeah. Have you always just been a fan of Ed Bruce? Or Man, that, that song was on a tape when I was a kid that my dad had, and it was a compilation tape that had like, you know, it was all cowboy songs, but they're like, my heroes have always been cowboys was on there and ghost riders in the sky. And then the old boy, you know, is one of them. My dad loved it. So I, I learned it that my dad used to get so tickled when I would sing it. The the line about hard bodied young cowgirls and too many state fair bulls. I wrote them all till I'm busted and bruised. Mm-hmm. Dad used to, he just laugh his ass off. <laughs> and he sang that Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what a hard bodied young cowgirl was. <laughs> but you were singing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, have a little bathroom break there for us, but, uh, <laughs> what about your new record, man? How did that, how did that come about? Did you just have some songs you wrote or for it, or just ones that you wanted to put on a record that you've written? Yeah, I don't, there's a, uh, you know, I've, I've been, t- I've been saying this a lot. Like I, I can't write albums, but I'm a songwriter, so uh, a lot of these songs on the new record are, you know, I think the oldest one on there is about 16 years old. You know, the newest one on there is probably 10 months old. Uh, oh, man, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, I wrote, man, I used to write with these really just great, great songwriters. Old, you know, Carrie uh, Kirk Phillips oh, got a cut yeah. on there. And, uh, you know, Bob Regan and Kendall mm-hmm. Marvel. You probably yeah. know Kendall. Yeah, we've wrote together uh man we've man just there's some songs that i that i wrote you know in the years past and even when i was just still kind of learning to write but i was writing with these great writers with incredibly high standards of you know what uh what they walk out with so yeah man i just it's one of those things like you know i've got these songs that i'm really proud of that you know i hate to just put them away and and nobody ever hear them even because just because like you know just because they're old doesn't mean they're not relevant and they're still they don't still mean the same same thing they did back then so a lot of them are old but uh you know and there's there's a lot of stuff i've written in the last two or three years but man it took me four years to cut this record like i i think i ended up cutting uh probably about uh probably 25 30 songs for mm-hmm. this record and and you know at the end of the day like you go back and listen to them and you're like you know i didn't i didn't knock it out of the park with this one i didn't knock it out of the park with that one i, I did on this one but i didn't really on this one but the song is still there and like st- shit like that you know and and so i i wanted to man i wanted to make a good record and i, I wanted to be able to you know, stand behind every song and be like, yep, that's mine. That's mine. You know? And I didn't want to, there was nobody telling me I needed a, you know, Hey, you need a, you need a radio hit, man. You need to go write something that's, you know, like nobody's been telling me that. So 
man, I get, that's pretty nuts. Uh, the group of guys I work with, the control that I have over my, you know, my art, my craft, whatever, they pretty much stand back and let me do what I want. So, um, I'm, I've, shit, I got to do another record. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah. There's always that. It's like, after you put one out, you're like, okay, what now? Yeah. And, and not, and, and man, the, the response has been just like incredible, like really. And I, I didn't, I'd hoped that it would be, I didn't expect it to be. Um, but you know, as, I mean, I say it in jest, but man, there is for it to, I don't want, when I make another record, I don't want people to say, well, you know, that's a good record, but it wasn't as good as his last one. I don't want that either. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to just try to make it different for the sake of making it different. So I can be like, well, you can't compare these two because they're always going to compare them. Um, I don't know, man. I'll, if you're going to make a rec- records are forever, they are forever. So whatever you do, my kids are going to have to, yeah, uh, they're going to have to go back and listen to the stuff. And I don't want them to, you know, I don't want them to go back and say, well, daddy was a sellout, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, your your voice though is like you remember you know like back in the 80s and the 90s uh these distinctive voices that you heard on radio mm. i think you've got a distinctive voice i've ever since the first time i heard you sing i thought that uh, oh no you know it's only got. <laughs> you know it's like it, it, so many people now sound the damn same and you don't the music sounds the same it's literally the same beat the same notes i mean the songs are that are a lot of the songs that are written sound like they're written the exact same way and it it kind of just gets pretty boring i've not even turned radio on yeah but um i'm like culture wall you know uh jinx and and just there's so many that i'm a fan of uh i like why morgan you ever listen to paul coffin yeah uh, I have listened. He's definitely got a distinctive voice. Crazy motherfuckers love him. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's he's he was in um, what was the band? He was Fathers and Sons. Yes, yeah. My uncle played me something a few years ago from this group, Fathers and Sons, from I don't know mid two thousands or something, maybe after mm-hmm. two thousand ten. I don't know. And then I found out later on that Paul was that was him. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I was like, I, I remember hearing this voice somewhere. I don't forget voices if they stand out, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, he's. Uh, I know him and he's Kendall like wrote together some. Yeah, Ken, man, I've shit. He's he's one of the first. You know, when I started writing in Nashville, Kendall was one of the first people that agreed to write with me. Oh, really? You know, when I was, yeah, and I, you know, at the time, and still am, as far as all that goes. Just I was a big nobody just a kid you know and but kendall had had some hits and he was you know had a had a reputation as being a great songwriter and and he you know we wrote together a few times we've always you know written and been friends and stuff uh but i'm glad to see him out doing records and doing his own thing because he really is just i mean you he you don't talk about a distinctive voice yeah <laughs> kendall i mean he you know he when you hear kendall talk Mm-hmm. If you hear Kendall talk, you know it's him singing. Uh, on the yeah, record. you do. He don't. He's not trying hard to sing to sound like something. 
He just right. sounds like himself when he's talking. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 reminds me a lot of Jamie. He's got that Jamie Johnson thing in his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, he's yeah, he's a cool guy. I really like him. Uh, yeah, he's, nice he's dude. Redneck. But, <laughs> Illinois redneck, I think. Yeah, he's like most. Yeah, he's from Illinois. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I, I hope you know. I hope the shows start back. I mean, I don't know. I, I it would be huge. I mean, if you could work this record, I mean, with the response you've got, I mean, it kind of feels it would it would to me like I thought about putting some kind of acoustic thing out, you know, just something. Y'all too, man. And then I thought, well, you know, I was supposed to be working on this on this record with a pretty big uh, producer. That's kind of been put on hold for now. And I thought, well, I just I wrote wrote some little crazy songs just sitting here, you know, at the house or driving or whatever this mm. year. And I thought about just kind of putting something out. And I thought, you know, I ain't, I don't even have the money to promote it. So uh, the dogs will hear it, and that's about it, you know. Dude, you like I mean I've I'll be honest with you, I just ordered a I just ordered a microphone and a bunch of shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut a, a little acoustic project. Really? At home in some capacity. Yeah, I don't I mean it, it might take me two years to do it, but uh um yeah, you know, it's like a why it's the the whole thing about the way I, I look at it is it's content. And when you when you're putting out you know, I don't want to. I don't want to just put records out for the sake of putting out records. I don't yeah. want to sound like that. But man, even if you don't have the money to promote it, you know, I want to, you take somebody like Jinx. Man, he put out all these records for years and years and years. Nobody ever heard of him. Well, then all of a sudden one day, Cody became Cody, and he has, you know, like six albums. So people man when people invest in an artist it's that whole when i heard sturgill simpson man first thing i did was download everything i could of sturgill simpson and to have that content out there you know you may not sell you may not sell shit this year but then all of a sudden next year you put a record out that you do promote and that you they get some attention and then people will people will download the other stuff too and then yeah it's you know yeah that's uh, true um that's you know like for cody i mean is he doing any kind of virtual stuff is he what's he what's he doing here and there man i don't he uh uh i I think he he might have done one or two live streams Mm -hmm. um i know he did at least one and he had so many people watching it that it crashed his page and that's awesome uh so I think that might have been his only one, but he's um no, he really hadn't, man, and he hadn't done any live shows either. He came out, I played in Dallas here a couple months ago, and he just he kind of slipped in while nobody was looking and sat in, did the whole set with me. And uh which just turned into just us getting shit faced and playing <laughs> Don <laughs> Williams yeah. songs. It was it was a mess, but uh we had a uh, you know he's bored man and I, I, I keep threatening to go down there and write some songs but y'all need to bro. we uh or do the zoom well, thing man if he does that I, just i've i've tried that a couple times and and i probably will more it's it's a little uh, hard it is i don't I, I like being in the same room you know feeling that energy with somebody but i've tried it too and i mean it is what it is i guess but yeah for sure it's not the same you know, yeah, you know, 
we live in a virtual world and i'm a virtual girl i reckon so <laughs> i'm a virtual girl uh well uh i mean you should definitely i mean especially with the response to things getting i mean just to keep it you know out there or something just try to do some some more virtual stuff i know people are you got a pretty big following on your social media too so that would be it's been it's been growing man. it's like I'm, and i'll and i said it earlier and i'll say it again man you know 2020 has been rough but like i've had there's been i've been able to grow you know and my, i've been able to grow my audience just and i don't think i'm a i don't think i'm a social media genius but what i you know when i get on there you know and obviously like management my promotion team they're always posting about shows and stuff like i don't do that but when i get on there and post something man i just i try to be as personal as i can uh you know as human as i can man like i think i think people uh, i think people get on facebook and get on social media and they try to they they give this version of themselves that they it's it's you know, mm-hmm. you know who you are is what you do when you're alone um yeah and uh or and i guess when you're when you're in the public eye or whatever it is you do the uh that's what you promote you promote this version of yourself that you want people to buy and i've i decided here a few years ago that the version of myself that i wanted to promote was was the only version of myself that i have and that's me and yeah uh you know there's you know personal private things i don't put out there but man as far as just like the the uh the emotions i feel about just in in general everything and uh, it's it's the same it's the same uh it's the same guy that's in the songs i put out and that's and and my songs aren't always you know they don't always make me look great <laughs> but at, at well, the end of the day uh, you know i went through my my divorce here a couple years ago and uh you know there's there's i, I made some really really big mistakes and, and did some did some rotten shit you know like that that i i'm ashamed of and that i uh you know but part of part of um you know part of me getting past that was i had to forgive myself for the for the the people i hurt and the things that i did that were wrong and i think part of that process was you know writing songs about it and and you know putting it out putting myself out there being being vulnerable enough to say you know what I'm, i'm i'm human and i make these mistakes and I think the response that I get, the positive response that I get for the negative things that I've done are just in general because everybody makes these mistakes, man. Like everybody slips up and everybody, there's, there, there's no, uh, nobody's perfect. I guess that's, yeah. That's and you know, title of my next record, nobody's perfect. Nobody's <laughs> perfect. It, you know, it's it's hard to be vulnerable enough to write about it sometimes. It has been for me. But then it's like you get to that point where it's just, I got to get to, it's like you're bleeding on the paper. You know, mm-hmm. it just ooze, it just comes out and you can't stop it. And it's just, and, and I think that's really what people, because like you said, people go through it. You're not the only one. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody goes through bullshit in their life. And man, get it out there. You know, you ever heard, you ever heard Rake and Ramblin' Man? Oh God. You know yes. I, I love Don Williams. Jesus Christ, man. Dude, you want to talk about vulnerable? Yes. And Absolutely. Know, I yeah. spent my last $10 and bought her a secondhand ring, man. Jesus. Mm. Like, 
Who wrote? Uh, I don't even know who wrote that. Did Bob, Bob McDill? Oh yeah. yeah, God. He's great, man. And and you know, I think that's missing now, man. That you know, dude. Mm. T- sometimes, sometimes you knock up a girl, and sometimes, yeah, it's inconvenient. <laughs> it's not what. It's not part of the plan. And but you know, it's hard, but it's real, and that happens, man. And and people. It's like not writing about stuff like that, not putting music. That's like, that's you're basically painting a fantasy for everybody to hear. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think people want fantasy anymore. I think they want to be people our age or, or older. They don't, they don't give a shit about fireball and yeah. blue jeans and tailgates. They want to hear about that kind of stuff and and just makes you more human. Make them, you know, I market myself as me. It's pretty. It's. it's <laughs> I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to get into character. Right, one called knocking her up, knock me down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I'm gonna write that down. Uh, yeah. So this is how songwriters work, right here. Here's yeah. something on TV. Read. I read a lot of stuff on church signs. Man, I've got so many ideas from church. Oh signs. yeah, you, God, that's a pretty good idea. Oh, it's. I mean, Dude, we, and we need to before here for long we need to get together and try to write one man yeah i'd love to i'd really love to because i i've just been kind of out of touch this year and it's kind of been it's just been weird you know i mean it's all good it's a you know god i feel like god's behind all of it still always but you know it's just the music thing i've been doing it for the last you've been doing it way longer than i have as far as far as in the business but i've been doing it for the last 12 years almost 13 and this is kind of the first year where I kind of stepped back a little bit from just thinking about it 24 seven. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got into, I got into survival mode and it turned into like, man, I got to make money. Like it's, it's, it's one thing when, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of romance to this and, and, and Mm -hmm. it's exciting to get to do, you know, play music for a living, but, you know, I got two little girls out there, three little girls with my stepdaughter and a wife. And, and mm-hmm. man, at the, at the end of the day, like I'm only, I'm only qualified to do a certain amount of things. And yeah, it's been, I've, I've had to really come up with new ways to make money. And, and beyond that, and probably more so, man, I've had a really great group of people just helping me barrel through this, uh, with with true grip my management and uh, mike krug and arthur penhallow my they're my they're my management team and i've got a booking agent you know that that whole you know when they called and said you want to we're going to have to start doing private shows you know the first thing i think geez i don't want to mm-hmm. that's how people get killed <laughs> you know <laughs> that's how yeah. you get a that's how you wake up without any pants on Somebody <laughs> your mic yeah in your house and you're just chained in the but what it what it turned out to be was you know the exact opposite and people really uh people want mm-hmm. nobody wants to see their their favorite singer songwriter go down in flames because they can't make a living and people really stepped up and and just saved saved my ass more than anything and that's uh I, I, you know, 2020, like I said, man, it's, it was, it was awful, but man, it was great. Yeah. That's a blessing to have people on your team that you can trust too. Cause you know, I, I, you can't trust so many of these sons of bitches. 
that are booking shows and managing and you know they're the smartest guy in the room a lot of times and it's just that the music business can be yeah just dude i don't have shit. a i don't have i don't have a piece of paper signed with any of my my people not we don't it's all handshake and i actually that's all awesome. i got a I got an email this morning. You want to hear about a great accountant, an accountant that calls and says, Hey Ward, we really need to get you set up on a retirement fund, man. This savings account <laughs> bullshit is only going to take you so far. So he's yeah. texting me this morning and said, he set me up an IRA. And I was like, all right, cool. I, you know, I'm not even Irish, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, you've been doing it for so long and you know, to have some people you can trust and not have to second guess or worry about, think about it's, well, you know, nobody cool wants thing. to. I, a lot of times, I felt like um, I felt like I put my hand out, but it's in a weird way. Like I've been, um, you know, I started doing these lyric guitars where I write my song lyrics on on these guitars, and it's uh, a good idea. I, I I fought with my management over how much to charge for them because I was like, "Y'all are charging too much," and mm-hmm. they're like, "No award, we're not. We're." you're making a living and you need to value yourself more. And I was like, no, but you don't understand. Y'all are charging too much. And these people work hard and they shouldn't be spending their money on it. I'm like parenting my fans. Yeah. But um, I get that. But that. You know, that's one thing that, you know, it's just another one thing that one way to make money in lieu of shows is coming up with these things. And man, whether I like to, it's, I don't, I don't use it as a point to, uh, make myself uh, feel bigger than I actually am. But man, you know, my music's, my songs, they mean a lot to a lot of people. Not, you know, not just, uh, I say mean a lot to a lot of people. I don't want that to sound uh, gloaty at all, but no, I man, the same reason that, uh, the same reason that I love James Taylor, like, you know, I love listening. James Taylor makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. and you know there are people who listen to my music and it makes them feel better it makes them feel something and my you know the words that we come up with and the things that we do they mean they mean a lot to people and and uh you know so much that they'll spend way too much money on a guitar that i wrote all over you know and, and yeah that's a special thing and uh that's i'm i'm really really grateful that that i've had that and i've got that i've got people and i'm and I'm, I'm grateful for people like you calling and saying hey come be on my podcast oh uh, yeah man i appreciate you. Any, any any uh any attention i can get every fan man every single fan i have is is uh you know something that goes in my savings account or something that pays my light bills they they fans are the ones that keep me keep yeah. us you know alive yeah. keep us fed and that's that's a it's a big, it's a big responsibility for me to, to put out music and, and try to do things and not let them down too, you know? So I'm just, you know, I don't have, I was, I don't have anything to complain about in my life, man. I've, I've, you know, yeah. I need, a, I need a bigger house. That's it. <laughs> well, you'll get one. You get, you got a guitar by you. Uh, no, but I can have one pretty quick. Play, play one of your new songs you want to all right, grab one. people would like to hear that what are y'all doing okay. uh, looking up a lot of stuff okay it's an omg oh yeah you want to see this this is what i got right there oh that's andrew oh yeah put that on the internet 
<laughs> nasty ass woman. I got you now. <laughs> got you now. All right, let me see. Get this thing closed back. And one day, if it takes off and gets twenty five thousand views or downloads, then she'll wish she took that shower. I'm like seriously. You're about to see my messy ass bedroom. There's, I mean, it's a wreck. But I got to set this thing up somewhere. Uh, they're they're made to be messed up one way or the other. I think. Difficult. No. Here we go. This is a uh, hundred dollar guitar. Oh, gut string. Yeah. I could stand a tuner. Hmm. What should I play, Andrew? Whatever you want to play. So play something off the new one. This is a. That's a song that I wrote. I started this song with a guy named Ren Boyer. I don't know if you know Ren. He was a uh, remember a band called Carolina Rain. They uh, they had a deal, or they had a you know a couple hits, uh, probably fifteen years ago or so. Um, but Ren and I started this, and we couldn't we couldn't get past the first uh, the first verse. And so I took it to Kerry Kirk Phillips and, and all of his and his infinite wisdom. And his overalls. Yeah, and his overalls and and his ten o'clock, ten AM co writes. <laughs> Everybody else in town was ten thirty. He was he stuck to ten. <laughs> yeah. But we finished this and um I've always thought it was cool and put it on the record. It's called uh, Good to Say Goodbye. I'm 17, big and bad, putting heads with my dad. It was time for me to leave that house. An old junk car full of words was stuck. Didn't have a clue, but I'd have had enough. Turn the key, hit the gas, and head it out. Even though it hurt to see my mama cry, it was good to say goodbye. Twenty-five, wild and free. Thought the world revolved around me, living loud, spinning out of control. Drinking nights, wasting days, I was in a real bad place. What she saw in me, heaven only knows. She helped me leave my demons all behind. It was good to say goodbye. There's a part of you that wants to stay right there. 
right where you are if you never walk away and you won't get very far hadn't talked dad news mama called and I could hear her tears daddy's fed don't know how long he is I drove all night to get back home and talk with him his room alone we laid rest all the anger from the past it was hard for me to swallow all that pride but it was good to say goodbye mm. good song brother Thanks, man. I've, you know, just one of those that, uh, you know, I attached myself to it for so long and, and I just, I hated, I hated the thought of, you know, not, not recording it, not putting it, not, not letting people know that, you know, mm -hmm. that's part of me. And, but anyway, I appreciate it, man. On a, on a hundred dollar guitar, that was an impulsive thing to do. Mm -hmm. what's your uh what's your website and everything where people can go check you out uh warddavismusic.com is the website uh of course i'm on facebook and i guess i'm on twitter i don't ever get on twitter <laughs> i uh, used to yeah i get on Inst instagram and facebook man those are my those are the ones where i really i get on there me um, of course we have all this they have the twitter and the oh god they were trying to get me on tiktok this week and i was like come on man <laughs> I, can't, I can't do tiktok so yeah that's uh, kind of yeah, a hard face... hard hurdle to jump over there i don't i don't know about the whole tiktok thing well i'm so old man it's like at some points you know <laughs> uh i there's that's actual gray in my beard like what would I what would I be doing on I think yeah. it'd be creepy if I was on TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> and Randy Travis is on there, but Oh, is he? That's kind of different, I guess. But he's yeah. yeah, my my wife sent me a video of him and Josh Turner the other day. Really? Singing the end of Forever and Ever, Amen. Yeah. Really, that's cool. Good to see you again, man. You too, buddy, man. Uh seriously, let's get together and write one, man. If you uh are you do you ever get up this way? Or yeah. have you been pretty lockdown in alabama i hadn't been in a while but i'd like to well dude let's do it man let's stay in touch i appreciate you having me on man i appreciate you doing it tell natalie i said hello and girls are pretty as they can be first time i seen yeah. them oh the little one she comes out last night she's got a nightgown on she goes i'm beautiful <laughs> i'm like you are uh -oh. <laughs> she you already are. knows it she already knows it you're gonna have a damn hard time in about 15 years well, quicker than that, probably. If I live that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Ward Davis, y'all. Uh, go check him out on wardavismusic.com and any social media except for TikTok. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all tuning in to Picking It Out. We'll see you next time.